0: Hey, Billy, are you ready for a podcast? I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: Welcome to Their Very Best, a podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert, professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications.
0: I'm Bill Noto. And I'm Waldron Faulkner. Thanks for joining us for wild, unsolicited opinions about... David Bowie. All right. Are you ready for a spaceman coming down to Earth to give you the alien message of, I don't know what,
1: the alien message David Bowie was supposed to be delivering? I think I'm ready for various characters and roles and yeah personas and performance art as life right Well, i was thinking about the
0: aspm component here the uh, art students performing music because you know there's no denying the association between bowie and warhol mm-hmm. and according to the definition that would make him aspm I was thinking about this. In the ASPM analysis of, like, say, um, Lou Reed, Velvet Underground, I think that the association to Andy Warhol was sought by the musicians for artistic cred on their part. And I think that maybe whatever relationship existed between Bowie and Warhol was maybe sought more by Warhol for the uh, cred that, was
1: that could be conferred onto Warhol by being associated to David It was Cohen. the other way. Uh, Waldron, not to make this about me, but in their very best, is the association between Waldron and Bill, or Bill and Waldron? (laughs) Who's conferring what here? Well, you know, I do have that 51% interest. Um, So you claim. Has yet been adjudicated in the courts?
0: (laughs) Well... Listen, my legal counsel has advised me not to talk about this on the definitely show. Not, so. Definitely not, definitely not on can... air. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> Would you be surprised to learn that I've sold uh, their very best bonds?
1: Just like the David Bowie bonds. I No, not surprised. <laughs> Did you use those to finance the... Sea dogs marketing (laughs) effort?
0: At the uh, AA baseball field.
1: It's one of my better ideas.
0: Surely. Best bag for the buck, no doubt. So it is a tour Mm -hmm. today, and I feel maybe a little better qualified to be the tour guide for David Bowie than, say, for Amy Mann. Mm -hmm. Maybe a little bit. I mean, I've been listening to Bowie since, I mean, my first album
1: ever was changes one bowie wow do you remember how old you were did you buy it at the record store was it a gift what's the story i don't know i think i stole it from my older sister Hmm, it's a good way to acquire an album yeah for sure mm-hmm. it gives me a chance to maybe play the first song you know immediately what the song is yep As soon as it starts I was like oh here comes changes still don't know what I was waiting for and my running wild
0: I wanted to start with changes because it fits in with the sort of narrative theme of his um, career which is to constantly be taking on personalities performing those personalities and changing between them.
1: How the others must see if they faker I'm much too fast to take that test to change and face the strain
0: The things I've always loved about Bowie is, uh, you know, I've always thought about the, the, the dichotomy between art and commerce, hmm. art and entertainment.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I've always thought, okay, well, like uh, on one end of the extreme, you've got like boy bands manufactured, the monkeys, maybe, you know, like stuff that was put together purely for commerce. And then there's artists. And, and what you hope is that artists are able to to shine through all of the uh, competing Attention that would be uh, put forward by a lot of like entertainers. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've always loved about Bowie is that I thought that he was able to do
1: both Hmm. great songs, but also like definitely a performer, an entertainer, a public figure. Yeah. It's an interesting discussion in the context of Bowie because you were talking about his relationship with Andy Warhol earlier, and there's a probably a whole essay someone could write there, too, about art and commercial concerns. I just love this song.
0: The piano, it seems thoughtful. It's completely removed from any of the, like, superimposed managed personality or performed personality or persona, Mm -hmm. right? So for this tour, Bill, I mean, we have to acknowledge the
1: giant of work that we're trying to take on here i ran screaming for the hills i was just overwhelmed (laughs) i was like "Ah, i can't deal with this (laughs) well i've got
0: a couple of strategies for keeping us hopefully keeping us you know kind of within some boundaries um i'm going to cover maybe a 20-year period of what i consider you know peak Peak david Bowie. bowie peak bowie and it started there you know in space oddity with the uh you know released days before the apollo 11 launch Mm -hmm. and man who sold the world hunky dory these are all great albums Mm -hmm. and uh changes is on that but pretty soon we move into and these albums come fast and you know like once a year maybe sometimes two are released in a single year and we're talking about like a Totally different personality, totally different, like, uh, acting concept. So we get into the glam phase with Ziggy Stardust. Sorry, Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, released in 1972. Moon Age
1: Daydream. I'm an I'm a mama, papa, coming for you. I'm a space invader.
0: You're familiar with that album, I take it. I am good because that is his very best album mm-hmm. right off of the bat and here's the problem that i have it's one of those albums that is like if you list your all-time all-time greatest albums not my favorite albums but like greatest albums it starts with an amazing song it goes through a bunch of amazing songs and there's nothing terrible on it Ziki stardust is one of those albums. You know, this is kind of a concept album, but the idea of the concept for this whole album was kind of retrofitted after this Starman song was released as a single. And then he, you know, he said, Oh, I've got, I'm onto something here. Let me continue this whole alien come to earth theme Yeah,
1: and, um, and build the whole rest of the album around it. I'm surprised this is the one you picked. Tell me what you love about it. Yeah, you always do this to me. It's
0: like, say something interesting about this song that you love.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean you said this is a great album full of great tracks. So something about this song stands out. Well, I think it's I think
0: it's representative of the Spaceman theme. It's got great Mick Ronson guitar. And I think that like Mick Ronson guitar really makes this album. Uh Uh-huh. And the lyrics are wonderfully bizarre and um evocative put your rig onto my head press your space face close to mine freak out in a moon age daydream
1: okay i'm convinced Serious delay on the vocal.
0: I love when the delay isn't manufactured to be in sequence, exactly in sequence with the rhythm of the song. And in this case, I feel like it's a deliberately offset from the huh. rhythm of the song, you know? Yeah. Are you not familiar with this album? Like, intimately familiar? Their... Not
1: intimately. This might be my first time hearing Moon Age Daydream, so it's a good. I'm a good foil for your tour guide. I, I mean,. When we finally run out of material after we've done our 500th episode
0: and we talk about the monkeys, we'll return to this album. Like, we'll do some
1: deep dives on some of the great albums, and and this one is totally one. Maybe season two. Yeah. It's like a psychodrama. Oh, man. In space. (laughs) All right, Waldron, I'm going to pay attention to this album. I'm going to listen to the whole thing cover to cover. I don't think I've spent any time here, so I'm intrigued. Now, Billy, when I was editing the last episode, I was wondering
0: if maybe like we've fallen into so many patterns here. Like we've sort of honed our
1: format so much that I wonder if it's going to get stale for, for all the fans. Our discerning fans might be tired of our (laughs) shtick.
0: There is a connection here between David Bowie and Brian Eno. Mm. That reminded me of the fact that I bought us both Decks of oblique strategies cards mm-hmm. from Brian Eno. He himself personally sent it and I kept the signed note, hey, uh Waldron,
1: big fan of their very best. <laughs> Here are some decks of oblique strategies. I hope you use them well. Um I think you might have used one of those blank cards that come in the deck just write Waldron's box, which is lie egregiously. <laughs>
0: Well, I don't know if you've got your <laughs> oblique strategies cards handy, Bill, but I have mine. And I think that a good strategy for us, maybe we should use an oblique strategy right now. Like, you know, just pull one of yeah. these oblique strategies cards and, and um, then just, just follow the advice. Okay. So I've got them right here. I'm going to pull one out of the middle of the deck here. Great. This one says, don't break the silence. Mm.
1: I don't know. I think that's maybe bad advice for a
0: podcast.
1: <laughs> But it's a good it's a good advice. Oftentimes, yeah. people get so uncomfortable in silence, and they feel like they have to say something. So, sit in it. Okay, here's one we can use: state the problem in words as clearly as possible.
0: Mm-hmm. What is the problem? Well, the, I think the problem, and let me state it very
1: clearly using words, is that we've only made it up to 1972, and we've been recording for quite a while already. Here's the deal: we're gonna make a 30 minute ish podcast on David Bowie's career, which spanned decades, 2016, 1962, 54 years. Is that right? Yeah. Are we going to play Oddity at some point? This whole Starman concept wants me to hear Oddity. Space Oddity.
0: Ground control to Major Tom. It's a great song. It's a great concept. It's a great Image, but you managed to take us out of the glam phase back into the early phase
1: and I'm trying to wrap up the glam phase here I just gotta say one thing about this song which I really appreciated as a kid I heard that song on headphones again like it's someone's house as a guest in a hammock and it was it's a transportive song you could follow it you know you could go there you don't need a music video to sort of picture the whole thing in your mind and I thought that was cool I also think it's cool that there's this guy who's an astronaut who recorded a cover of it with like earth floating behind it it's amazing (laughs) we gotta include it in the show notes
0: I'm always surprised when we record these episodes that there's stuff in there that I, I knew about, but didn't really listen to or hadn't listened to enough to really pick it up. And um, before we leave the glam period, I want to play you something called, it's called, it's the song Aladdin Sane from mm-hmm. the album Aladdin Sane. And I think that you have to always beware when the album name is a is a pun, but I think that's, in this case, we can forgive it because it's David Bowie and he's reaching the end of his glam phase, which is a,
1: uh, is a tough time for oh him. Oh my God, dude. I feel so stupid. Until you said pun, I never even noticed that it was a pun. Alad <laughs> insane. Alad okay. insane. I think you need wow. to be sort of, I think if you were
0: British, <laughs> it would have come clear, more clearer. Like you would not have missed it. Maybe. But check out this song, Alad insane.
1: Love the bass. bass, it's like a lead.
0: The piano in this song goes crazy at the end. It's this guy, Mike Garson.
1: Him dash
0: away, an old bouquet, mm-hmm. Wow. This guy has worked with David Bowie. Nine Inch Nails, St. Vincent, Duran Duran, and Smashing Pumpkins.
1: Wow, that's awesome. That's quite a list of credits. I mean,
0: I listen to his performance here, and I think,
1: that's got to be a jazzer, right? It's, It's an unusual arrangement, with the bass sort of being like this lead, and the piano starts just like this ostinato. It
0: changes it's a mode and and or key change in the middle a couple of times I just love it yeah his very best song even though it's not on Ziggy Stardust it's fame. He gets tired of being Ziggy Stardust, and he wants to be the Thin White Duke. Right. Do you know about the Thin White Duke? Yeah, a little bit. Let me ask you this. Have you seen the movie The Man Who Fell to Earth? No. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is It is fantastic. David Bowie really gets to put on his spaceman persona uh-huh. he sort of modeled this um, his next character the thin white duke hmm. on the character that he played in that movie
1: hmm. the,
0: the movie goes nowhere it's all just sort of crazy crazy bowie <laughs> acting like an alien who fell to earth right wow you know that this is a collaboration with john lennon right I didn't. Yeah, he sings some background, and they were just messing around in the studio.
1: Brain, the brain, just the flame. The will keep is that fame? Is that Lennon? Brain.
0: Yes, he's he's singing background vocals. Wow. But the persona, the Thin White Duke, it coincides with the change away from glam rock and into what he called plastic soul. Hmm. this is a soul oriented hmm, I don't know oriented I'd say it was touched by soul and funk Mm -hmm. and so he called it plastic soul he knew that it
1: was not genuine Mm -hmm. I feel like there's an interesting relationship between the thing we talked about earlier with art and commerce and the plastic part feels like the commerce and the soul part feels like the art
0: It's inspired by some, like, specific funk songs. There's a song by BT Express called Do It Till You're Satisfied, and if you know that song, you'll maybe hear the relationship. And And one of my favorite James Brown songs, The Payback. Uh Uh-huh. I realized something as i was thinking about this song and and the fact that i think of it as his very best song there are a series of songs and i started a playlist about it i call the playlists la recherche du funky <laughs> i love it, love it translates to the search for funky there are a series of songs rock songs in the classic rock genre that have A lot of funky feeling to them and every single one that i encountered spoke to me and i guess it it resonated with a with a latent affinity that i have for funk and soul that i just didn't know that i had because it was obscured by you know lack of maybe not lack of access or curiosity but familiarity or influence like i grew up listening to classic rock i wasn't listening to james brown Until like the last 20 years or so Mm -hmm. Right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know since then I've become a huge funk fan There's another song from the same period that I have to play. I can't wait to hear it. Golden Years. Do you know this
1: one? Yeah. It's it's on Station to Station. Yeah. I, you know what I'm realizing? I think I know the songs on the Greatest Hits album.
0: Now, Bill, I want to tell you, you have not lived until you've seen a video of David Bowie lip syncing the song Golden Years on Soul Train. In 1976. Don't let me hear you say taking you nowhere. Angel.
1: Did you see that as it happened?
0: <laughs> I wish. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God, I wish. <laughs> I could have because. I was fascinated by Soul Train when I, because uh, it was on, you know, the TV yeah. when I was a kid, and we watched a lot of TV. I can imagine. And, you know, like, I mean, what could be cooler than, and more alien to me, like, than, than Soul Train? Opening doors and pulling some strings. And And it's, he's so awkward. He's doing his
1: Thin White Duke routine, you know? That's like the weirdest place for him to be doing it. I mean, just reading the Thinway Duke page on Wikipedia, and it was like. First of all, he was like way cooped out on cocaine and methamphetamines, and it was mad aristocrat. Go.
0: Go.
1: Go. Go. Bowie himself descri- described the character as a very Aryan, fascist type like yeah. weird place
0: for him to be I mean it's a very confusing time you know and he's but he's uh, but he knows it's soul funk you know and that he's trying to I don't know if he's emulating it or, or using it or being influenced by it or, or just appropriating but you know he's there and like Soul Train is the place to play that stuff run for the shadows run for the shadows in
1: his golden years there's my baby
0: We're talking about how he he was all coked out and I mean I think he needed to get his act cleaned up and that's when he decided oh to get cleaned up I'll go to Berlin for a number of years and live with Iggy Pop (laughs) and work with Brian Eno to create to create some new music and that's like how he wanted to get out of like you know whatever his issue was
1: yeah the I, th- I think of, like, Iggy Pop as also very high. <laughs> well, they both were. I looked into this a little very bit. Very like, high and shirtless. They both were like, okay, we got to get ourselves straightened out. I don't
0: right. know if you've okay. ever had a buddy where you were like, hey, listen, we've got to straighten out together. And then the first thing you do when you're trying, <laughs> you know, the first thing you do is, like, binge. don't straighten out. Right. Yeah, let's do one last. So, like, he goes to Berlin.
1: Just for one day.
0: I'm gonna play one song. The song Heroes is just totally, uh, you know, emblematic of that whole period. There's a lot of lore about how they recorded it, with mics at different distances down a hallway and, you know, mm. noise gates on that would let them open up when he started shouting at the end of the song, you know. Mm. Billy it's it's time for another oblique strategy maybe what do you think let's do it yeah hit me okay this one I think we can do I've got it I don't know if you can see this
1: emphasize the flaws <laughs> yep flaws in our podcast or in <laughs> our appreciation of Dave Bowie or lack or in Dave Bowie whose flaws which flaws All I was flaws? thinking about our
0: podcast <laughs> Oblique strategy accomplished. All right, we're going to move into the next phase. So we've been through the glam phase. We've been through Plastic Soul. We've done Berlin already. And I think I'll get a lot of um, blowback for not featuring stuff from The Lodger, which I can't find anything on it that I love. Mm. The fans are going to be irate. So we get into a next phase. And it's labeled by Wikipedia as the Ro- New Romantic phase. And, you know, the New Romantic is a, is a London music and art, especially art movement. And I don't want to talk too much about New Romantic stuff because I just feel like it's a, it's a thing that he moved to when he needed, like, more performance material. Hmm. Let me play Ashes to Ashes okay. on, on Scary Monsters. And super creeps.
1: Wild. Comes in right in the middle yeah. of a phrase. Do you think that disruption is is that Enoism? Could be. Maybe there's an oblique strategy. Start in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like it should be.
0: It's a piano noise with a lot of vibrato and processing. Mm-hmm. I guess. I think. Mm-hmm. This album has Robert
1: Fripp, Pete Townsend. This is a great song. Sounds like a Whirlitzer.
0: But the New Romantic is all about image and performance, and less about the music itself. And and I think that the culminate and the proof of that, and the culmination of this sort of phase of his career, is Let's Dance, nineteen eighty three. Seems like it's a little bit adjacent to um, New Romantic. I would definitely not classify it as Hmm. that. Let's play that
1: song. Oh, my God. What an intro.
0: There's a swing band feel to the thing with swing band stabs. Mm Mm-hmm. And there was a swing craze going on at the time, too.
1: I love the delay on those horns. It's great. This is the Bowie that I saw perform
0: live at the Capitol Center in 1984, maybe? Five? 84. Uh Uh-huh. It was for the uh, the Serious Moonlight Tour.
1: Put on your red shoes and dance the blues.
0: And... You know, I was pretty young. And I hadn't seen a lot of concerts, especially big stadium concerts. This was at the Cap Center in the D.C. area. And what I thought I was going to get was, I guess, Ziggy Stardust and early Bowie and Plastic Soul. And what I got was Bowie in a suit singing Let's Dance and China Doll. And I didn't love the show.
1: Hmm. I wasn't... You were looking for one of the earlier personas, maybe. Maybe How I was... Who were you?
0: I must have been 18 okay maybe I think that if if you're in a stadium you want a stadium performance and if you're in a cabaret you want a cabaret performance Uh and so I think that the you know the the venue didn't didn't work for that particular time gotcha I mean it it definitely brought a lot of people in probably paid some money back on those Bowie bonds (laughs) gotta keep those uh you got to feed the beast. <laughs> you got to keep those premiums <laughs> getting paid out. Yeah. By the way, the Bowie bonds, I looked into it. Those things performed better than the 10-year treasury bond, just like
1: right about 8%. Wow. What an interesting idea. He raised $55 million by promising investors income generated by his back catalog, 25 albums. And you got to think, w- was this
0: really like a financial need? Maybe he needed the $55 million up front.
1: But that was in 1997 that he did that. Yeah. I mean, kind of a rock star by then, don't you think? I don't know how much cocaine uh, Iggy <laughs> yeah. Pop did,
0: but I'll bet it was expensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anyone's paying for the cocaine in Berlin hmm. in, uh, you know, whatever year it was, I'll bet it's Bowie and not Iggy Pop that's buying. That's probably a good bet. 77. I'll bet you won
1: Bowie Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Should we issue their
0: very best bonds? Well, I've already done it, as I said, and I think they're going to outperform the treasury, 10-year treasury bond. It's probably a good investment right now, because, mm-hmm. you know, things are...
1: Get in on the ground floor. If you want to get out of equities. I mean, we're way behind the times. We should be issuing their very best <laughs> NFTs. Like, each episode gets an NFT. Duh. <laughs> well, that's what we should be doing. Yeah.
0: Um, you know, I don't want to upset you, but you, just you've already so you done know, that. Like I've, already,
1: I've already done that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> David Bowie, "Let's Dance," and I think that's kind of where everything for me. That's where everything ends. He had a period of time. I'm gonna, well, he joined a band called Tin Machine hmm. for a while, hmm. and then he just recorded like in '93, "Black Tie White Noise," mm-hmm. outside in '95, "Heathen," in 2002, which I thought was sort of better than. Previous offerings from the you know previous ten or so years. Reality in two thousand three has a song I can play. It's called "New Killer
1: Star." Huh. I liked this, and I like this.
0: This guy sounds like Bowie.
1: Yeah, I like that. Wow! 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 That's a great sound. It always sounds like a... It's interesting because it kind of sounds like a... Like it feels sort of Pro Tools era. Like it feels like it was layered and tracked using like modern digital recording techniques. Right. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Interesting idea. Yeah.
1: See the great
0: I like that. There's this album also, Black Star, which is um, his sort of last album. Uh huh. I noticed that it has like a ton more plays than all the other stuff mm-hmm. that I'm calling everything after like after the let's dance phase. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think let's dance era is right on the bubble for me. Like yeah. Yeah. We should have a we should have a word that describes that one album that is on the bubble between still being okay in the canon but maybe leading
1: towards like the thing where everything after doesn't work. I'd put it's like when the when when the motorcycle is over the it's like the motorcycle is over the shark. <laughs> Right, you know what I mean?
0: Let's Dance is that It's Hard by The Who is that. There was Mm -hmm. another one I was thinking of. Oh, what was the album after
1: Some Girls? Tattoo You? Mm. Well, Waldron, is it decided for David Bowie? I can't believe it,
0: but it is decided. (laughs) David Bowie's very best album The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, 1972, with an amazingly great list of songs in it. And a theme and, you know, glam and just right in the pocket for, you know, a Bowie fan. Fame from the Plastic Soul era is his very best song.
1: I feel like it's notable that you're calling that one of your... Grip of records that you're taking. I'm gonna say not to an island, but on your spaceship vo- voyage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As you blast into the singularity wormhole, I'm supposed to say get in touch. Get in touch! You can reach us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. All of those things, if you just look for their very best, you'll find us. We have an email address. You can write to us at contact at their very best or wrong at their very best. And we have a website, www.theirverybest.com. If there's any confusion, that's T-H-E-I-R. There shouldn't be any confusion. if there is. (laughs) Good point.
0: It's time for people to leave some reviews, You've noted that the frequency of reviews has sort of dried up, and I wonder if it's because we haven't been hyping the, the need for five-star. Five-star only reviews...
1: Do you think maybe people aren't leaving reviews because we keep saying five-star only? If you can't do
0: a five-star review, you're not going to do any review. Well, you could do a low five stars and you can, I'd say, leave a five-star review, say something, you know, with text, not just the stars. It has to be some content in there. And if it's a low five stars, I'll take it.
1: But you, you, you you can say that in the body of the review that you leave. So we're going to do more of these, so beware. Watch out. We'll be offering more unsolicited wrong opinions in the near future.
0: I'm Bill. I'm Waldron. Thanks for listening to Their Very Best.